Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I can do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. I want to begin with a passage. It's going to be in John chapter 10. If you want to turn over there, I'll put it on the slide here in a moment. One of the things that is always important as you think about your faith and your relationship with God is focusing on the promises of God. And one of the great things that all of us should be doing, hopefully, is meditating upon God's word on a regular basis. Meditating on God's precious promises. We sang songs about heaven, uh, about what it's going to be like one day, and the blessing of being with God in eternity. And more than ever, we need to be reminded of this. Sometimes our faith can waver. Sometimes we may have doubts and questions. And it's important for us to really solidify what we know to be true, the great promises of God. And I want to begin with one this morning here found in John chapter 10. These are the words of Jesus where he said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me, and I give eternal life to them. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I want to ask you a question now. When you hear these two verses from Jesus, what's the first thought that came to your mind? What's the emotion that immediately you had when you hear Jesus say, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Did you think about this idea of peace, or did you have comfort comfort, and confidence listening to the words of Jesus? Maybe some of us had a different response. Maybe some of us had some doubts. Is this really possible or what ifs? Yeah, I hear what Jesus is saying here, but what about this scenario? What if this happens? Did some of us think, I don't know if that's even possible with what Jesus is saying. Sometimes we can struggle with this as Christians. Can I really make it to heaven? Can I really be pleasing to God? Can I be right with God? This morning I want us to look at these words of Jesus. Why did he say them? Who was he talking to? And what was the context of these, of these passages here, of these verses here? And this is going to take us into a study of John chapter 10. And it's also going to take us into a study of John chapter 9. And the title of this lesson is called, I Am the Good Shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus is going to refer to himself as the Good Shepherd. And my friend, we will have such great confidence, I believe, after this study this morning, along the study of reminding ourselves of who Jesus is and the great love that he has for us. And so I would encourage you to follow along with me as we study from John chapter 10. Now, we read those verses in verse number 27 and verse number 28. Now, look at John chapter 10 and verse number 1. The Bible says, truly, truly, this is Jesus here. He said, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. So we're picking up the story or the context here in the middle, which means we got to go back to John chapter 9. 
So let's look at the first few verses of John chapter 9. What we find here is that Jesus had healed a blind man. In John chapter 9 and verse number 1, read with me please. The Bible says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. You know, one thought that I had studying this and thinking about how the disciples asked the question, I think sometimes we can fall into that same scenario, right? When something bad has happened, maybe we're going through some kind of sickness or ailment, we often think about, well, who committed the sin or what sin have I committed to bring this upon myself? Have you ever done that? And yet Jesus said here, well, no, this man did not sin. His parents did not sin, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Verse four, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Salaam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. And so Jesus performs this miracle, and it's an interesting miracle, with him spitting in the dirt and then putting this on the man's eyes. So there's a response that the neighbors of this man had, that people who knew this man and his condition would have. We're not going to read every verse. But this man would listen to Jesus, and as a result, he would be healed. Let's drop down now to verse number 14. Something significant about this is that this miracle was done on the Sabbath. So if you know anything about the enemies of Jesus, some of the religious elite like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they would often try to track Jesus to find out if or when he was going to do something wrong. And they would often look at whether or not he was healing on the Sabbath, to try to catch him doing something, to accuse him of breaking the law. And so this miracle was performed on the Sabbath in verse 14. Jesus did not break the law. Jesus never sinned while he was on earth. Now it was the Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Read with me. Verse 15. Then the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight. So the Pharisees heard about this miracle. And the man told him, told them, here's what happened. But the Pharisees did not want to believe. And so they asked him again, and he said to them, He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees were saying, This man is not from God, talking about Jesus, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? So they're looking for a problem with Jesus. They're trying to explain away the miracle that he had performed. And as a result, there was a division among them. Now drop down now to verse number 15, or we just read that. Look at the next set of verses here, beginning at verse number 22. What's interesting is that these men, uh, the Pharisees, are now going to question the man who was healed. They're going to question his parents. And his parents, in verse 20, answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. I certainly hope that they would know that. But now he sees, or but how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. 
Now, they had an ulterior motive as to why they were saying this. His parents, verse 22, said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. So think about that. This man's parents, they are afraid to answer or to be fully tr- you know, tr- truthful with, with what had happened because of how... Uh, how the Pharisees and others might respond towards them. If they confess Jesus to be the Messiah, if they confess their belief in Jesus, they would be kicked out of the synagogue. And I often think about that. Think about this as a great point of application for us. Sometimes, based upon our faith, there will be ramifications. But the question for all of us as Christians here. Are we going to be afraid to share and let others know who we are? You know, we live in a world of of cancel culture. Don't say the wrong thing on social media. You'll be canceled. And so many other situations. Well, brothers and sisters, we're not supposed to be ashamed of our faith in any situation. Whether it's on social media, with our families, at work, at school, with our peers. Let us never be ashamed and live in fear about how we might be cast out or thrown out like these parents were. They were afraid because if anyone confessed him to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. And so there's a back and forth with this man who was healed by Jesus with the Pharisees and with others. And what we find is that eventually the Pharisees in verse 34, they would just now reject the man completely. The Bible says they answered him, you were born entirely in sins. And are you teaching us? So they put him out. You see, they couldn't explain what happened. And now they're just attacking the man saying, no, you were born in sin. Well, that wasn't the case at all. But the Pharisees didn't know what else to say. And now what's interesting is that the man is going to have another interaction with Jesus. And we're going somewhere with this. This background information will become important as we get into chapter 10. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had put him out and finding him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? So Jesus now is talking to the man that he had healed. He answered, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? So the man said, yes, I will believe in the Messiah if I know who he is. Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and he is the one who was talking with you. See how very clear Jesus was? Jesus is making it very clear. The Messiah is standing right in front of you. And what an amazing experience for this man who was born blind. And now he gets to see the Messiah. Look at his response. Will this be our response? Is this our response? There may be those watching this or online and visiting here today who have not responded to the truth concerning Jesus. Look at verse number 38. This verse is for you. He said, Lord, I believe. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe Jesus to be the Christ, the Son of God? And he worshipped him. You see, Jesus is worthy of worship. He was God in the flesh. He is deity. No one else is worthy of worship except God. And so this man believes in Jesus. He sees the Messiah with his own eyes. 
And then Jesus does something at the end of this chapter, which is interesting. Remember, who's still listening? Who's in the audience? He's been talking to the Pharisees. He has this man here. And now he's going to drive home another point about why he came here and how people should be responding to his miracles and to his teaching. He would say in verse number 39, Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, so that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be Become blind. Well, that's a little bit confusing. Who are those who do not see? Well, he's talking about those who may be spiritually blind, but they are honest and they are willing to respond to the truth like this man did. Those who do not see may see. They come to learn and understand the truth and that those who see may become blind. Well, who are the ones who see but are truly blind? I think he's talking about the Pharisees there. They had this belief that, no, we are right with God. We are sons of Abraham, according to John chapter 8. We are right with God. We're not going to believe in Jesus as the Christ because we truly see. And Jesus is saying, no, you're truly blind because you're not accepting me as the Messiah. And I believe that's the case because look at the very next verse. Those of the Pharisees who were with him. So who's listening to Jesus? The Pharisees are. Heard these things and said to him, we are not blind too, are we? So you see, they're picking up on what Jesus is teaching. And it's hitting close to home. Are are you talking about me? Are you talking about us? We're not blind too. Oh, yes, you are. Yeah, you may be able to see flesh and blood and the things around you. But no, you're spiritually blind. Because listen to what he said next. Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. In other words, if you are like those who do not see but can learn to see, those who are honest and or spiritually honest and willing to accept the truth right in front of them, you would have no sin. But since you say we see, your sins remain. Your sin remains. So they were not right with God. Why? Because of their self-righteousness. They were not right with God. Why? Because they were rejecting the Messiah. They were not right with God. Why? Because they refused to believe in Jesus. Even though they said that we see and we know the truth. One cannot reject the Son of God and be right with God. So why does all of this matter? Well, because Jesus, it's the same audience that he's talking to when you get into John chapter 10. And so let's look at John chapter 10. And let's see the first 10 verses. What Jesus is going to do next, he's going to use an allegory. He's going to use figurative language here. Look at verse 6 of John chapter 10. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were, which he had been saying to them. He's using this a figure of speech, an allegory, a description of one thing using the image of another. And he's going to drive home a point about who he is. And if one is going to have a relationship with God, fellowship with God, then they're going to have to come through him. They're going to have to believe in him. So watch what he does. Look at the first 10 verses here where Jesus is going to emphasize that he is the door. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, let's read all 10 together. He who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, and keep in mind who is who he has been talking to, the Pharisees, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. 
To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Verse 5, a stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what things Uh, what those things were which he had been saying to them. Do you understand what he's saying? Sometimes I feel like I do. Sometimes I feel like maybe I don't. But I think I have a good idea of what he's trying to get across. He's going to explain what he just said. Look at verse number 7. Jesus. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus refers to himself as, I'm the light of the world. I'm the door. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, in this example, he says, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. You see how salvation and Jesus are attached? If one is going to be saved, if one is going to be delivered, they're going to have to be with Christ and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So think about what Jesus is teaching here. Number one, he uses this example of a sheep fold. This is a roofless enclosure in the open fields, often made of stones during this time. And several flocks might be brought to the same sheep fold for keeping overnight. This was a place of safety and protection. And so for the sheep to go in, there has to be some kind of entrance into this safety and this protection. And here's an example of what this may have looked like at that time. Something pretty basic where you have these stones and an entrance. And so Jesus is using this to drive home a particular point about him and about what he has come to do. And I think what he's trying to emphasize here is that if they are going to be right with God, if they truly are going to be followers of God, if they are going to be where salvation can be found, then it's going to have to come through him. And yet the Pharisees were the ones who did not believe. They were the ones who said, no, we see, but we're actually blind. And so they're rejecting the very means of safety and protection of salvation. So Jesus wants them to be once is driving home this point very clearly that he has his sheep and those who belong to him. They hear his voice and they will follow him. And he is different than others. Uh, he's different than those like the thieves and robbers who try to come in in a different way. Well, the Pharisees were trying to do things according to their way, according to their own righteousness, and that would not work with God. And so if one is going to be right with God, they must follow Jesus. He is the door. And they must follow him and hear him and become his sheep. He would say in verse 8, all who came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep did not hear them. I think he's talking about potentially the false teachers, the the prophets. You read about the prophets in the Old Testament, the false prophets who led God's people astray. And I also believe that the Pharisees and Sadducees would fall into this idea of thieves and robbers. Those who don't have the best entrance or best interest for the flock, for the sheep. 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So notice that Jesus speaks about salvation in verse 9, life in verse number 10, and life more abundantly. Doesn't that sound good? Isn't that what everyone should want? Jesus says you can have it. You can have eternal life through me. And you can have life more abundantly, not just blessings in the future to come, but those who are his sheep right now. We are already blessed. And we get to experience numerous blessings every day because of our relationship with Christ. Think about the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. How do each one, how does each one begin? Blessed. And so what Jesus is showing the audience and what he's helping us to see is if you're going to be saved and be right with God and be a part of his family, part of his flock, you're going to have to follow me. Notice what else he says. I said the title of this lesson is I am the good shepherd. And we still got to get back to verses 26 and 27 because those verses, those are a promise for us. And so notice what he says next in verse number 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. So twice now. He uses this phrase, I am, to refer to himself. I am the good shepherd. Well, he's going to make a contrast of there were some who were bad shepherds. In fact, if you take notes in your Bible, you can write down Ezekiel chapter 34, where the prophet speaks about the the bad shepherds, the bad leaders at that time. Jesus, on the other hand, he refers to himself as the good shepherd, and he tells us why he is the good shepherd. And this for every Christian in this room this morning, should bring us great comfort. This is why we need to listen carefully to the voice of our shepherd. He would say, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You see, someone who loves another person, they're going to go as far as they can and do as much as they can. And that's what Jesus did. Like a shepherd would protect his flock at all costs. Jesus said, no, this is what I am going to do. I will lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and and is not concerned about the sheep. So again, notice this contrast that Jesus is making. Those who are hired hands working with the sheep, yeah, they'll go to a certain point, but they're not going to lay down their life for the sheep. I, on the other hand, even when there's danger, I'm going to be there. I'm going to protect my flock. And when I read those verses, brothers and sisters, I certainly see the compassion and the protection of Jesus. And again, the love that he has for his sheep. Why is this important? Because sometimes we can wonder, does God really love me? Is God really concerned about me? Does he see what's happening in my life? Well, the answer to that is yes. Just like a shepherd protects the flock, even when the wolves come. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be there with you. I am the good shepherd, verse number 14. And I know my own and my own Know me. That sounds like relationship, doesn't it? I know who are mine, and they know that I am theirs. They know me. Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep again a second time. He's saying, this is what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to lay down my life. The Pharisees and Sadducees were not going to lay down their lives. They were more concerned about the power that they would have and, and whether or not that power would be taken away. In verse 16, he said, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I think he's talking about the Gentiles, which eventually would hear the gospel and obey as well. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, verse 17, my father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. A third time, he says, I lay down my life. He's pointing to the cross. He's pointing to what he would do on the cross. Why did the Lamb of God die on the cross? He did it for his sheep. He did it because he loves us. He did it because he wants us to be delivered from our sins. He wants the world to be delivered from sin. Verse 18. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. You see, he wasn't forced to do this. This is something that he desired to do. Think about that. Think about how this should help your faith of how far Jesus was willing to go for you. He said, I'm going to do it on my own initiative. But I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my father. So we read through all of these verses. You see how they connect? Remember, who's listening to Jesus? Certainly his disciples, the Pharisees. There's a bunch of people listening to him. And he's making some really bold claims. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life. Salvation is found only through me. If you want to be with God, you must come through me. Well, how do the people respond in verse number 19? Verse number 19, the Bible says the division occurred among the Jews because of these words. Many of them were saying he has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? You know, a lot of people say that today, don't they? Jesus, he's insane. Why would you ever follow this carpenter from 2000 years ago? That's ridiculous. Crazy. That's how a lot of people responded. So let me ask you a question. Who do you believe Jesus to be? No matter how much tech we have in this world, no matter how busy we are in this world, no matter how much we may try to distract ourselves, we all have to consider this question. Who is Jesus? For some, they'll say, well, he's just some insane man. Because let's face it, people who are saying that they are God When someone says that today, what's our response? No, you're not. But Jesus did not just say that he was God. He gave evidence with miracles. And he backed up his claims. And he was raised from the dead on the third day. Yes, some will attack Jesus. And say, no, he has a demon he is insane. Why do you listen to him? And, and young people, I want you to keep in mind here, and this is really for all of us, there are going to be people who are going to try to persuade you not to listen to Jesus. Why listen to him anymore? i tell you why. Because he's a good shepherd. Because he cares about you. 
Others were saying in verse 21, these are not the sayings of one demon possessed. A demon cannot open the eyes of the blind, can he? So there were some who were saying, well, wait a second. He did heal that man. See, well, that's why we had to go back to John chapter 9. They're still talking about that blind man all the way back in John chapter 9 here in John chapter 10 and verse number 21. This is all one big conversation or interaction. So there are others who said, well, you can't just ignore the evidence that he did heal a blind man who had been blind from birth. What do we do with that? And that's something important as well. What do we do with the miracles of Jesus? They happened. And people saw them. And they have been recorded for us to read and to believe. At that time, the Feast of the Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. The Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Wait a second. He already had given them plenty of evidence. He'd already shared with or showed them his power and spoken to, to many of them that before Abraham was, I am. And yet people are still coming to him and saying, if you are the Messiah, tell us plainly, plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe the works. The works are speaking about his miracles. The works that I do in my father's name, these testify of me. You see, that's why the miracles of Jesus are so important. That's why we need to read the miracles and teach the miracles of Jesus to our children. They testify who he is. But he said in verse 26, but you do not believe me because you are not my sheep. You're not listening to my voice. Now, this takes us into that those few verses that we read earlier. He is talking to people who want even more evidence. And he said, well, you have all the miracles that I performed. But you're not listening to who I am. Now he said in verse number 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus, the good shepherd, the one who is the door. He said, no, the miracles that I performed have been designed so you can believe. And those who believe and hear my voice and follow me, well, they will have eternal life. And I want you just to notice a couple of things that he says here. And this is going to be important as you think about building your faith and even handling doubt at times. And having confidence in our salvation with Jesus Christ. Those who belong to Jesus, who are his sheep, notice number one, they hear his voice. We hear from our shepherd today through the Holy Scriptures. In these last days, according to Hebrews 1, God has spoken through his son. And we hear from his son through the word of God. You see, his sheep will hear his voice. And we will listen to him because he is our shepherd. And his sheep will follow him. He said in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So if we're going to be a sheep of the shepherd, we hear his voice And we also follow him, whatever he tells us to do. Because the shepherd always has our best intentions in mind. The shepherd loves us. He laid down his life for us. He protects us. And he gives us these great promises that we can know that we can be with him one day. 
And so we follow him. We listen to him. And notice what else, what else he said. He said, Jesus said, I know my sheep. What a comforting thing, because look over in Matthew chapter 7. Let's leave here real quickly and turn over to Matthew chapter 7. Remember in Matthew chapter 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus would say in verse number 21, in Matthew chapter 7, he said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Well, his sheep will do his will, because we hear his voice and we follow him. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Four of the saddest words in the Bible. I don't know you. What a sad day it will be when so many people stand before God without a relationship with God, without a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, who never obeyed the gospel, who refused to do the will of God, Jesus will say, I never knew you. But for his sheep, here's the confidence. Jesus says, I know you. I know my sheep. They are the ones who hear my voice, and they are the ones who follow me. And he said, these sheep, This sheep, those who listen to my voice, I'm going to give them eternal life. I give eternal life to them, verse 28, and they will never perish. There's where our confidence is found. Not because of who we are, not because of our strength, only because of God. He said that we will never perish. But notice what else he said. We have to hear his voice. We have to follow him. And as we strive to do that, we can walk with great confidence. We can walk with great assurance because of who Jesus is and because of this promise and the promise that he gave and the promises that he gives us all throughout the word of God. Brothers and sisters, I wanted to read through all of this because when we understand who the good shepherd is, And the promises that he makes, just as he promised to lay down his life, he did that. Just as he promised to raise it back up, he did that. And this promise is true as well, that those who hear his voice and follow him will never perish. That's what we need to believe. Now, yes, the key is we have to hear and continually hear and follow him. That includes all that he teaches When we sin and fall short, we need to hear and follow him and repent and return to him. We can be confident in our forgiveness through him. And yet, even though this is a promise that God has given us, that the good shepherd has given us, there are occasions where we can have doubts. But we should have great confidence in our salvation. Because Jesus tells us so. Because his sheep, he knows who we are. We belong to him. We have a relationship with him. We are safe and protected through him as the good shepherd. And our responsibility is to hear his voice and to follow him. And yet sometimes we can still struggle with doubts. Doubts creep in. Have you ever struggled with doubts? Have you struggled with doubts with your salvation? 
Doubts are not uncommon. In fact, back in 2018, 2019, I did a sermon from Luke chapter 7. Will you turn over there real quickly here? In Luke chapter 7. Jesus, in Luke chapter 7, in verse number 28, would say concerning John the Baptist, I say to you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. John was a great prophet, but John the Baptist, he had doubts along the way. In fact, in Luke chapter 7, we find him in prison. And in verse number 19, verse number 18, the Bible says, The disciples of John reported to him about all these things, summoning two of his disciples. John sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the expected one, or do we look for someone else? John the Baptist, why would you ever ask the question whether or not Jesus is the Lord? Now, maybe some who are here today are not familiar with the work of John the Baptist. He was the one who prepared the way for the Messiah. He was the one that spoke about Jesus and prepared the hearts for the coming king. And John the Baptist had a good understanding of what he was doing. He was a prophet of God, spoken of in the Old Testament. But notice here, there are some doubts. Why is he asking this question? Well, he's in prison, number one. And he's facing death, number two. And he wants to know, Jesus, are you the expected one or should we look for someone else? And I want you to notice how uh, Jesus responded. At that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits. And he gave sight to many who were blind. And he answered and said to them, go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. See how Jesus is pointing back to his miracles and what the Old Testament said about him? Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. John the Baptist had doubts. But Jesus told him, well, here's your evidence, John. Here's what you need to focus upon, John. I am the expected one. I am the Messiah. And the works that I do testify of this. And it could be the case that sometimes some of us have doubts because of suffering and death. There have been many members here this year who have lost loved ones. And when someone dies, that can create a lot of doubt. Does Jesus really care? And when we suffer, where is our good shepherd? Well, the answer is Jesus does care. He is the good shepherd. And he's with us every step of the way. And he's demonstrated how much he cares because he laid down his life for us. So even when these doubts creep up, consider Jesus and what he told John the Baptist. Go back and look at what I have done. And there won't be any more questions about that. But sometimes doubts can arise. And even Thomas had doubts. One of the apostles, will you turn over to John chapter 20? Sometimes doubts can arise for Men who were with Jesus for a number of years, like the Apostle Thomas. In John chapter 20, this was after the death of Jesus. And sometimes when disappointment comes, when there are expectations and they're not met, or maybe just a complete misunderstanding of how we think things should be going, doubt can creep in. And even Thomas had doubts. In verse 24, Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. This was after Jesus was risen from the grave. 
So the other disciples were saying to him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails and put my finger into the place of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors having been shut and stood in their midst and said, peace be with you. Notice what he said next in verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach here your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. You see, Thomas had doubts, but those doubts were taken away when he was able to see Jesus, touch Jesus, see where they had crucified him. Well, we're not going to be able to do that. But that doesn't mean we can't believe and love Jesus. Peter talked about the saints in 1 Peter chapter 1 who had never seen Jesus, and yet they had believed. But sometimes doubts can creep in, even for us, like like Thomas. What about the resurrection? Did Jesus really live? Those doubts can creep in because of so many different sources and influences. And the answer to all that is yes. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or are looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog, where you can find hundreds of encouraging, motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects. You can find all of my books, which can also be found on amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people. I hope this helps. Please leave me a rating and a review. I can do, and so can you. Take care, and God bless.